just say for some reason right now, if you're like a mom or your dad and your child's, you know, you didn't know this until now, right? So if you notice that your child has some mouth breathing, clogged nose, or their teeth are crowded or crooked or anything like that, um, there are things that you can do even from, it's better, it's optimal to start when you're young and try to promote it, right? Like growth, but there's a lot of things you can do now. Um, so it depends on like what age you are. You're listening to the Untaming Podcast. Rewild the child. Here is your host, Emily Giles. Hello, I'm Emily. Thanks for joining us on the Untaming Podcast. Today it is the new worm moon here in the Southern Hemisphere. That's exciting for us with the promise of spring just around the corner. I hope you enjoyed Mary's interview with Tracy Castles in the last episode. I love her evolutionary parenting website and podcast, so I'm really pleased Mary had the opportunity to interview her. In fact, when I was first trying to come up with a name for this untaming podcast, evolutionary parenting was a title I thought of before finding out it was already being used. Uh, Mary is back again in the next episode with Barry Hewlett. He is Professor of Anthropology at Washington State University and is best known for his study of the Aka people of Central Africa. But today I had the lovely opportunity to talk with Dr. Diana Cortez on functional dentistry. And I apologise for my husky voice in this episode. I was still recovering from a prolonged cold at the time of recording. Thirty-one-year-old Diana Cortez has spent her whole life in New York, where she currently works as a biological dentist. Dr. D is a board-certified doctor of dental surgery with a holistic approach to dentistry. In 2019, she was awarded Top Dentist for Women in Medicine. Diana received her holistic cancer coaching certification from the Center of Advancement in Cancer Education. Dr. D has coached many cancer patients and helped to improve their outcomes. Last night, Diana had nine hours of sleep, and for lunch today, she had a chickpea bean pasta with a sun-dried tomato sauce with cauliflower and chickpeas. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so you came up as a recommended page for me to follow on Instagram, and it was a uh, your biological approach that made me want to contact you. So I guess a good way to start would be if you could tell us what is a biological dentist? Yeah, that's a great question. So a biological dentist, um, there's, I guess it depends on the specific doctor or, you know, person. Um, there's lots of different variations, but for the most part, um, biological dentists like to take a more natural approach, um, more functional medicine approach, holistic approach, um, so that can include anything from using the least toxic materials when we do dentistry, trying to do a more conservative approach, looking more at diet and like the mind, body, soul connection, um, in relationship to your health. And then also not only just looking at your mouth and like repairing teeth, you know, that's important too, um, when it's necessary, but also looking at the 
the mouth and really focusing on the oral systemic link, which is how your mouth, what's in your mouth, um, whether it be like bacteria or viruses or materials or anything like that, and how it can be related to the health of the rest of your body, which we will definitely get into today. Nice. So like you said, this is also called functional dentistry or holistic dentistry, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, can you explain the connection between, this is a loaded question, but between nutrition and the development of the jaw? Yeah, sure. Um, So there's, I mean, there's so much to talk about, I guess. (laughs) Um, But in general, um, nutrition and your diet plays a humongous role in the health of your mouth. Um, Most people think of sugar and like eating candy and, you know, that being bad for your teeth. Um, and yes, that obviously is not ideal. Um, Mm. but I guess from a more functional medicine approach, um, you want to make sure that you're having a really well-balanced diet with not only just, um, adequate like nutrients and vitamins and minerals, but really optimal. Um, and so there are specific, um, vitamins and nutrients that are great for your teeth. Um, the most common ones that are really important um, for dental health are vitamins K, um, A, D, and E. So if you want, I can get into some of the vitamins and what how they're important for your mouth and then some foods that can help if that's what you want to. Oh, yes, please. Yep. Okay. I was just writing notes down to ask you specifically that question. So yes, please. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's start with vitamin D. Um, I know our ancestors definitely had a lot more vitamin D in general, unless you live closer to the equator. Um, I am in um, upstate New York, so a lot of sunlight here for most of the year. Um, But really the best way to get vitamin D is from sunlight, um, Mm. natural sunlight. So in terms of food for vitamin D, mushrooms and egg yolks have some low amounts, but they're not really enough to like for you to have optimal vitamin D levels. Um, and vitamin D is really, um, important because it helps remineralize teeth. It also helps balance minerals in the body and, um, it, yeah, it actually helps absorb calcium as well. Um, vitamin K2, and this is one that, um, a vitamin that is pretty, um, the research is pretty new in terms of dentistry and its relationship to dentistry, Mm -hmm. but, um, vitamin K2 helps boost the absorption and distribution of calcium. So it pretty much in, you know, just tells calcium where to go in the body. Um, But the interesting thing is you need vitamin D3 to absorb calcium. So I actually take a vitamin D3 and K2 supplement myself. Um, But so vitamin K2 helps stimulate osteocalcin, which helps repair your teeth and, um, helps repair dentin growth, which is just the, one of the inside layers of your teeth. Um, and it also can help work with the matrix GLA proteins to help remineralize your teeth as well in your body. Um, the best food to help with vitamin K2 is natto. Um, have you heard Mm. of natto before? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it has really significantly high, high amounts of K2, Um, So that's really the best source, but you can also get K2 from chickens, egg yolks, um, sauerkraut, things like that. Um, So D3 and K2 are really, really important. Um, Lots of 
my patients, a lot of kids, especially, um, who have lots of, um, high cavity rates, I always recommend getting blood work done because a lot of the time they'll have a lot of deficiencies in these type of nutrients. So I'll just keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, magnesium is really important because it helps the body absorb calcium. Um, and foods that are high in magnesium can include, uh, legumes, nuts and seeds, whole grains, um, dark, dark leafy green vegetables are really great too. Um, vitamin A, this can lead to like low levels. Um, if you have, sorry, if you have low levels, it can lead to weak enamel or it can, so pretty much what that means is that the porosity of the enamel could be bad. So it can make the enamels, the outer layer of your tooth. So, um, optimally you want it to be nice and hard and strong, right? Um, mm. but if you have low levels of vitamin A, it can lead it to be more porous and therefore more susceptible to tooth decay. Um, and so foods that are really great for vitamin A could include, um, leafy green vegetables, eggs, um, raw milk, tomatoes, um, thing, like orange and yellow vegetables. Um, and then real quickly, I'll just, cause I'm sure you don't really want to hear every single vitamin, and, <laughs> but I'll just summarize it pretty quickly. But so vitamin E is also really important. Um, it's important for estrogen metabolism, which is really responsible, very, very, um, important for the development of the jaw and the bones and the teeth. Um, and then nuts and seeds are great fruits and vegetables usually have high vitamin E and then calcium is really important because it helps form teeth. And then um, foods that are high in calcium, dairy, soybeans, um, leafy greens are really great. Mm. Now, so I'm just curious about um, from an anthropological perspective with mm -hmm. regards to kind of jaw development in our ancestral diet with these vitamins that you've just mentioned, what are some examples of foods that we that we consume sufficiently that we no longer do or, you know, vice versa foods that we didn't consume so much that we do now probably in excess. Yeah. So, um, have you, I think we've, you've heard of Weston A. Price before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So pretty much from an ancestral perspective, um, we in this industrialized world eat, um, especially in America, we eat a lot of refined carbohydrates, um, foods really high in like refined artificial sugars. Um, mm. and definitely, not as much fiber as we used to consume. Um, I know, you know, in our ancestors really ate, um, a lot of more of a clean diet. So, um, that's really important. Um, and if you wanted to learn more about that, you can read like Weston A. Price's book is really great. Um, but, um, I think really right. Like it's very hard to completely you know, mimic exactly how our ancestors ate. And there's a lot of controversy behind that too. Um, but um, what I found is that everyone's body is very different. So I like to take an individualized approach. And I think it's really important to work with like a functional medicine doctor, doctor or a nutritionist and really look at the health of our gut, right? So you could mm. be eating like all of these foods, but if you're, you have a leaky gut, um, or you have gut, some type of gut dysbiosis, you might not be absorbing your nutrients, right? Um, I know a lot with like gluten sensitivities, people who have sometimes sometimes people have dairy sensitivities, all these things can affect the health of your gut and then therefore the development of your bones and your teeth and 
that kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, since you brought up Weston Price, I know that he went looking for uh, traditional societies that ate uh, a purely vegetarian diet and didn't find any. So for people who prefer to eat a vegetarian diet, what are some foods that they could still incorporate? Yeah. Um, so I think for people who have vegetarian diets or like vegan diets, it's really important to make sure um, that you're not eating high amounts of that refined sugar, right? And like the white bread and things like that. Um, but in general, natto, I think I brought it up before, natto mm. is really, really great if you can incorporate that. Um, sauerkraut, uh, leafy green vegetables. Um, I pretty much, I think I said a lot of foods that vegetarians could eat. Yes, from the true, other yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it couldn't hurt sometimes to supplement too. Um, And it really depends on your specific individual, you know, what your levels are and your situation and where you live in the world. Are you getting enough vitamin D? So like, you know, it it really is helpful to get a night to get good blood work and really do an individualized approach. Cause that's where I really, when I work with patients, like, you know, sometimes they're eating great organic you know, diets, grass-fed beef, things like that, you know, just really clean. And mm. then, for example, they might have a parasite or something. Um, uh. They didn't know, right? And that can mess up your gut. So really, um, you know, I think it's really an integrative approach, right? But once once you heal the gut, that can really help you up, like absorb the optimal nutrients, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then I guess for... Um people who aren't strictly vegan incorporating things like eggs because you mentioned egg yolks a couple of times didn't you and raw milk or dairy that sort of thing can help to increase those vitamins is that right um it i mean it could help um there's also other ways to get those vitamins that without eating that um you might need to help you might need some supplementing i know vitamin k2 um it's really important to supplement um but I mean, it really depends on the person and like how long they've been vegetarian or vegan for, you know, or like, do they have a parasite? Do they, It's just, it's definitely more than just like, oh, if you eat all of this, you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't want to mislead people either. I think it's yeah. really good to work with someone and get their baseline levels and then kind of work from there and, you know, incorporate certain f- foods into that to help. Right. Yes. Now, um, Talking about the jaw development, uh, what influence do things like uh, prenatal nutrition have? So that's really important. Um, so the mother, you know, it's really great. If, if it's possible before, you know, if you're, no, you're, you want to try to get pregnant, go to the doctor, get some blood work and just see what your vitamin levels are before, right? And then mm-hmm. if you're deficient in something, like work on that before, when, you know, when you're planning on getting pregnant to really optimize your vitamin and mineral levels, because a lot of those vitamins and minerals are going to go towards your baby. Right. Mm. So, um, and then when you're, bre- if you breast, if you decide to breastfeed, which is definitely encouraged from a functional dentist perspective, um, and we'll get probably get into that later. Um, then, you know, that will help with the baby's nutrition also. Yes. And yes, I'm glad you brought up breastfeeding because that's what I was about to ask next is once the oh. baby is born, what are some, some things that can help with jaw development. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great um, topic and definitely a little bit controversial. So um, I've spoken mm-hmm. with other dentists and they don't like breastfeeding. Um, mm. So 
mostly more conventional dentists don't because they think that it leaving the milk in the teeth will cause cavities. And so they don't, yeah, sorry. So we were talking about breastfeeding, right? Yeah. So they don't like mm-hmm. it because the milk can get left um, on the teeth. As long as you properly clean the area that can go also with bottled milk, right? Can, that you get from the store too, that can cause a cavity also. So it doesn't really, that mm. that point I don't think is really valid, but breastfeeding encourages the proper jaw development, right? It's going to help open the way that the lips are, um, the way the tongue rests in the mouth that actually helps promote the palate growth and the jaw development. So, and like, that's what our ancestors have used forever. Right. Um, Mm. and if you look at their jaws for the most part, um, they didn't have teeth crowding or, you know, mouth breathing, mouth breathing and things like that. Um, but that's, so breastfeeding that can be very helpful. Sometimes mothers can't breastfeed. Um, if that's the case, you know, definitely look into like lip tie or tongue tie and things like that. Even if it's subtle, sometimes that can help that, that can like actually hinder the baby from latching, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. so yeah, seeing your dentist, just having them check when they're really little, just make sure if, if they're having trouble, um, latching on, um, also, which is interesting, I think from an ancestral standpoint, um, we used to spend a lot more time outdoors. Um, and mm. once we started moving indoors or moving into like a more packed cities and more industrialization and, you know, chemicals and toxins, um, you know, the GMOs, the pesticides, all of this stuff, it can lead to more increased allergies. Um, so I think moving indoors that actually allergies can affect your teeth and you're probably like, how does that happen? Um, if you have a stuffy nose all the time or a runny nose that actually can hinder your breathing and cause you to mouth breathe. And then when you breathe out of your mouth, that can lead to a dry mouth and that can cause cavities because the saliva helps protect the teeth from cavities. Um, there's Mm. some factors in there. So if you have a dry mouth, you'll have less of those um, beneficial things in the saliva, if that makes sense. Yeah. And what about the, um, what's the word, the texture of food, like eating harder foods compared to softer foods? Oh yeah. That's, that's a really important too. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely harder foods are better for your jaw development. Um, not only, well, one, because usually they have more fiber. So things like carrots, um, that's really important. Um, but we used to have foods that were more that you need to chew more, if that makes sense, like nuts and seeds. And the force physically helps the jaw develop, but also um, the fiber in those foods are really beneficial too. And Mm. also fiber can help um, clean the teeth a little bit, if that makes sense. Yes, Um, yeah. Yeah, so fiber is great. Great. And is it, I guess it's the same sort of thing with, um, like I'm picturing a young child chewing on like some meat or something, like a big piece of meat that you know even before they've got I've heard of people before um their children have grown teeth just like with their gums just kind of gnawing on some meat (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, and also I I I don't think I mentioned this before but so um just say for some reason right now if you're like a mom or your dad and your child's you, you 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 know you didn't know this until now right so if you notice that your child has some mouth breathing um, clogged nose or their teeth are, you know, crowded or crooked or anything like that. 
Um, there are things that you can do even from, you know, it's better, it's optimal to start when you're young and try to promote it, right? Like mm-hmm. growth, but um, there's a lot of things you can do now. Um, so it depends on like what age you are, but there's um, there's something called a Butego course. So um, if anyone's interested in that, you can just reach out to me an email, but um, it helps. It's kind of like physical therapy for your airways um, and it helps like unclog the nose, things like that. Um, so that mm. could be helpful. Also, there's certain mouth appliances or like night guards. Um, there's different programs that do that, um, but that can help open, like promote the right, um, the tongue to be in the right position, things like that, or help move the teeth early. A lot of conventional orthodontists wait until development is over, which is really, I think it's insane, <laughs> but because mm-hmm. um, you can really start early and you know, with the hope to prevent braces, right. Um, and just get everything naturally, um, spaced out and yeah. So there's a lot of things you can do. Don't, you know, freak out if you're like, Oh, you know, my child has crooked teeth or, so there's a really a lot you can do, but it's better to start earlier. Um, if possible. So is this some of the sort of work you do as a biological functional dentist, um, trying to get it done, you know, I guess, early doing all these natural sort of things before, like, you know, trying to avoid braces, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm um, a healthy start provider. So that's a program that works with mostly children. So from as early as two years old till as mm. early, you know, till as late as like late teens. And it's a series of mouth appliances. They're like BPA free, um, silicone free They're so they don't have any metal for the most part. Um, I don't think they use any metal, but the appliances I use, they don't, they don't have metal in them. And um, it helps guide the jaw in the right place. And it's really, it's awesome. Um, but if you're an adult and you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I, you know, I mouth breathe, all this kind of stuff. Um, you can also look into the Butego course. Um, and also there are specific night guards for adults um, that can help put the jaw in the optimal place at night to help encourage proper breathing. So, right. um, yeah. Hmm. So now is there like a time frame for, you know, the craniofacial development? Like, is there a point where, you know, say age 12 or where the jaw becomes fixed? Cause you're talking about how you can do things with the Botago course that adults could do. So is it not quite so fixed? Um, yeah, um, it depends. I mean, every kid's a little bit different. Some people develop quicker, some people develop slower. Um, mm-hmm. On average, usually about between say, 13 or 14 years old in women and girls, and then maybe even as late as sometimes even 15 or 16 in, in males. Um, it really depends. But um, the earlier you start, so um, sometimes around like the mixed dentition stage. So once you see like your child's baby tooth falling out and um, the permanent, usually it's the lower to um, front incisors that you'll start noticing. That's mm-hmm. really an optimal time to, to get in and try to do something. But if possible, even as early as two years old will be helpful. Right, yeah. And now I'm curious, cause you mentioned before about um, mouth breathing and the tongue position in the mouth. So I've heard like various things about how when you're 
face is at rest, well, your, I know, your face, your mouth, you want your tongue to be pressed up against your palate, but then I've also heard people saying you want your tongue to be relaxed and lying flat down. So, I don't know, do you have insight there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you don't want to overstress your tongue either. Um, mm-hmm. And so there are different appliances that will just like kind of put it in place and you can really retrain your muscles. So that's why it's kind of important to do, it's like either myofunctional therapy or the Butego course, um, but that will really help train your muscles, right? Um, and even appliances can physically just hold it there too, which can be helpful because you don't want to strain your muscles too much either. But in yeah. general, when you're at rest, um, if you're just sitting here look, listening to this, um, your lips should be closed, um, your teeth should be apart, and your tongue should rest up against your palate a little bit. It doesn't have to right. be like really suctioned up there, if that makes sense. Like you don't have to force it up there, but just kind mm-hmm. of relax at a relaxed state, just rest it on the top of your um, mouth. And it might feel weird in the beginning, but, um, you know, you'll definitely get used to it. But the sometimes some people just can't do that because you might have like a tongue tie or something. Um, mm. So in that situation, definitely go see a dentist and to get that fixed. So. Right. And when you were just describing that, I was just paying attention to what my own mouth was doing. And I guess the same sort of thing is because you said to make sure the teeth aren't t- well, the teeth are slightly open, but that would go for, that would apply to the molars as well. You don't want your jaw to be clenched at rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I'm curious about, do you know some of the causes behind, um, say like tongue ties or narrow jaws, crowded teeth, these sort of things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's actually some research with tongue ties and certain nutrient deficiencies. Um, I don't think that's, you know, I think that definitely can play a part. Um, Mm -hmm. There's certainly a lot of variables, but that from what I found, that's probably the most um, accurate thing I've seen. Um, It's still, there's still a lot of research to be done that needs to be done with that. And that, that Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But as of right now, there's some nutrients that can um, affect that. Um, And then the proper development of the jaw and the teeth really has to do with your diet and, getting rid of your note, your note, like you want nose breathing, um, not mouth breathing. Those really, if you focus on those two things that really will make a big difference and breastfeeding is very helpful too. Um, Hmm. yeah. And is this the same sort of thing for people who might have, uh, say straight teeth and a nice wide jaw, but they still have a propensity for developing cavities? Um, so can you say that? So you're saying, is this the same thing for people they still get cavities, but their jaws developed properly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in that situation, I mean, if your jaw develops properly, that's great. Um, that would definitely lower your risk of getting cavities if you're breathing the correct way and having your mm-hmm. mouth closed. Um, but there's also many other factors that can contribute to cavities that are like from a systemic perspective. So, um, yeah. So mm-hmm. th- that person might have something else going on maybe it's something in their saliva or a gut issue or things like that um, right yes. they, they would have to dig a little bit deeper yeah and so now I hope it's clear by now but there may be some people wondering you know is this really all that important like what are the implications for our overall health and you've mentioned like the oral systemic link so yeah I wondered if you could go a bit more into that 
Yeah. Um, well, the oral stomach link is a very big topic. Um, but in terms of like sleep, just sleep medicine and that kind of thing, um, some symptoms that can be, this is why even like mouth breathing is so important to get rid of, um, especially in kids. So some symptoms that are common that could be potentially related to mouth breathing, um, bedwetting is really, um, interesting too. Mm. Um, ADHD or ADD, um, like trouble focusing, concentrating. Um, yeah, th- there's literally, there's, I can go on for like hours about it. Um, there's a <laughs> lot of symptoms in kids that could be, um, you know, poor quality sleep, interrupted sleep, um, waking up frequently at night to urinate. Um, that can also be from other things too, right? But um, mm. sometimes when we correct the mouth, like, frequently you'll see a lot of parents say, wow, my child's bedwetting went away from <laughs> fixing their jaw. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, in, it sounds ridiculous, but like these things have happened, um, which is pretty cool, but that just can just go to show you that like how important it is, like when you're breathing. Um, and even if you're just think like, if you're not breathing right, if your jaw is not in the right place, um, breathing is important to get optimal oxygenation to all of the tissues in your body. Right. Um, oxygen mm. helps you know, cleanse and, and things like that. So, um, and it has so many functions in the body. So if you're not getting enough oxygen that can literally interfere with almost every single bodily function. So right. um, in that case, but, um, in terms of the oral microbiome, um, and the oral systemic link. So there's a lot of research that links, um, the mouth microbiome to, and microbiome is just a word that means different microorganisms that are living in your mouth. So this could be like fungal, it can be bacterial, it can be viral. Um, So for example, um, some of these things include heart disease and cardiovascular health, cancer, um, joint and muscle health, like uh, health, like arthritis, um, even things like dementia um, and other brain health diseases, um, things like diabetes um, and obesity and even a healthy pregnancy. So um, if you want, we can kind of get into a, a little bit of each if, if that's something you, yes. you want to talk about. Yeah, if you can just um, yeah give us a little bit of information about each of those. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. All right. So let's start with cardiovascular health. Um, so there's some species of bacteria in the mouth that can actually leak from the blood vessels in the gums um, and travel to your heart. Um, and that's where some cholesterol and lipids deposit there. Um, these bacteria bacteria can actually incite and cause inflammation in your arteries. Um, and if your arteries are occluded or they're blocked, that can actually trigger like a heart attack or a stroke. Um, so the goal is really to kind of, you wanna lower the levels of these bacteria as much as possible. Um, there's some specific, notorious ones that, um, can lead to this, such as, um, AA, which is, um, it's a really long fancy name. So I'm not going to, there's abbreviation AA is fine. Um, TD and TF, I'm not going to get into all of them, but anyway, there's a lot, there's actually six or seven that have specifically been linked with cardiovascular health. Um, so before, I mean, for a long time, they knew it was connected. Like researchers knew that the mouth bacteria can be connected with, um, heart health. Um, that's why sometimes if somebody has, um, 
a heart valve replacement or another heart condition, sometimes cardiologists will recommend before getting a dental procedure done that a patient takes an, um, an antibiotic before because they know that the mouth bacteria can spread to the heart. Um, so that's been known for a while, but um, there is some recent research. Um, there's a, an article from, um, I, don't know, I think it was 2017, but I can send it to, I'll send you the link if anyone wants to look at it. Oh yeah. Um, the doctors, um, Brad Bale and Amy Deneen, um, they, in the article, it pretty much describes how oral bacteria um, can no longer be viewed as just associated with heart attacks, but really like a cause. Um, so um, it's still kind of controversial. Either way, we know that they are definitely connected. Um, there's another great book. It's called um, Hidden, Hidden Epidemic by Thomas Levy. And he was a physician. I think he was a cardiologist, um, but he note, like saw a lot of patients um, in his practice. And he noted a lot of connections between um, his patients that got heart attacks and, and um, their, what's go, what was going on in their mouth. So if you wanted to read more about that, I would definitely recommend buying that book. Hmm. Um, it was really good. Um, and then things like pregnancy. Um, so all of these bacteria that live in the mouth, I guess the main concept is that if your gums bleed a lot um, or in general, these bacteria can all enter into your bloodstream from your mouth, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and they can travel to the rest of your body. Um, so with pregnancy, um, some high levels of bad bacteria can put you at risk for preterm birth, um, even some blood infections or decreased birth weight of the newborn. Um, so what I usually recommend is before, if you're planning on getting pregnant, come in, um, we'll do a microbiome analysis test on you. And then if you do have some of these bad bacteria, we can work together to, to try to help lower them for you hmm. um, to reduce your risk of these diseases. Yeah. And problems. Um, same thing with obesity um, and diabetes. So there's certain bacteria that can cause chronic inflammation. Um, and some, inf some of this can actually damage the pancreas and that's where insulin is produced. Um, so diabetes can worsen also the opposite way. Di diabetes can worsen oral health um, and because um, your immune system in your mouth is not as good um, and that can make you more susceptible to getting gum disease or cavities and things like that. Um, so really important um, when it comes to um, Alzheimer's, um, if you have high levels of certain bad oral bacteria that can increase your risk of developing dementias and um, also, um, which I've seen a lot in my practice, um, specifically for um, arthritis. Um, most of the patients that come in who have like rheumatoid arthritis or an autoimmune condition, um, we do microbiome tests on them and they usually have a lot of very high autoimmune related bacteria in their mouth, huh. which is interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, like the inflammation can kind of um, be connected with changes in somebody's immunity. Um, but my main goal, um, so I work a lot with patients who've had a history of cancer or who have cancer. Um, so that's mostly what I um, focus on. But um, there's definitely a lot of, there's a lot of research showing that 
Um, certain bacteria um, in the mouth can be a risk factor for developing um, certain cancers. So there's a lot of research on pancreatic cancer. And remember, we kind of know the connection with diabetes too, right? We talked about that. Mm. Um, colon cancer, especially like uh, Fusobacterium nucleatum, um, that's one that's definitely connected. Um, that's just abbreviated FN. Um, esophageal cancer and obviously mouth cancer too. Um, lung cancer, other head and neck cancers, um, and um, as, uh, honestly, I, I've seen some things also connected with breast cancer as well. Um, and wow. if in that book, um, hidden hidden epidemic with with um, by Dr. Levy, that's he explains it pretty well in there. So that's something I would definitely recommend reading if you know somebody in that situation or if you're in that situation. Um, that's really important. Yeah. Well, yes, that was going to be my next question is with your insight as a holistic cancer coach, um, just hearing more about this connection between oral health and cancer. So I don't know if you want to go slightly more into this because I know it's a huge topic. Yeah. um, So in general, um, we know that there's there's a lot of different ways that you our mouths can actually be connected to certain types of cancers. Um, The first way is definitely microbiome. Um, there's, so for every patient that had had a history of cancer or who has cancer, um, I run a, a personalized individualized microbiome test for you. Um, and this can really explain a lot. Um, sometimes there's like fungal overgrowths or parasite, um, things like that. So that is really important because for example, if you have a parasite in your body, right. Um, that not only it, there's certain ones called um, amoeba and trichomonads in the mouth. Those are two mm-hmm. of the main ones in there. Um, and um, so what happens is these parasites, they really just suck up all your nutrients. Um, so you can be eating well and, you know, but for some reason your digestion might be off. Um, so it's really important to get rid of those. Um, there's a lot of like mind, body, spirit connections, um, even mouth breathing and that kind of thing, not having enough oxygen can increase your risk for getting cancers. There's literally, we can go on forever, but um, mm. we might need to do the, the, another podcast to go over this one, honestly. <laughs> but um, really interesting stuff out there. Um, and also, you know, talking about like toxicity too is really uh, important yeah. in the mm-hmm. mouth, right? Um, if your mouth's overloaded with toxins or any other part of your body's overloaded with toxins, that's not good either. Um, I do have on my website, it's um, for anyone who's interested for oral products that like for choosing the right type of toothpaste and mouthwash and things like that um, if you have cancer. So if you visit my website, it's uh, www.drdianacortese.com that you can get a free, I do have a free lecture um, on that. So if you wanted to learn more, that's a good place to look. Nice. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask another question about um, you're saying about with the oral microbiome and the you know parasites or fungal things that could be in there. What what sort of approaches would you be taking to minimize these? Um, so definitely trying to get a clean, balanced diet, um, mm-hmm. preventing. So especially parents, like just say you you ha- you take a bite of the baby's food first. Like just say you're feeding them sweet potatoes. And you bite into it first and then give them the bite. That's like the worst thing you can do. Um, 
because whatever bacteria or any microorganism that's living in there, it can spread to the baby. Um, so definitely, if you can avoid doing that, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think just having a strong immune system, if you know, if you can do that, if you you know, lucky enough to have that, because um, it will help kind of combat to make sure that these bacteria are not invading, right? So sometimes it's good to have a well-balanced microbiome, right? I'm not saying wipe out every single, sometimes they can have beneficial properties too, but you want to pre- like prevent the overgrowth of yeah. them, right? Mm-hmm. And having them take over. Um, and then it really depends on your situation, right? So there might be some certain herbs you recommend or um, so certain protocols, depending on your age, your situation, your microbiome and your health history. If right. that makes sense. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if this relates to the oral systemic link or not, but I'm curious about the use of fluorite. It's in, you know, most mainstream toothpaste brands. And here in New Zealand, depending on the region we're in, it is or is soon to be added to our tap water. So, you know, what what does this mean? What are these implications? Yeah. So, I mean, we can really do a whole episode on, on fluoride, honestly, <laughs> if you wanted to go into it. But um in general, um, so obviously as a biological dentist, we don't really love fluoride at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the general consensus, like the research does show that topically like painting it on can be helpful um, for arresting a cavity. But in general, like the drinking of fluoride, there's li- very, very little evidence of that helping at all. Um, and I think the bigger picture is that I think it's overused and definitely overused. Um, but from a holistic standpoint, there's so many things you can do to like prevent cavities that don't include fluoride, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, if you don't have to rely on that, if that makes, yeah, like it's just, it's, it's definitely like hyped up. Um, I, what was that book? Oh, the, um, the case against fluoride. I forgot who the author was for that, but, um, that is an amazing book because it kind of, um, it has like the history of fluoride and it really, mm-hmm. it can do, it, it does a lot better than me in explaining everything. But the first time I read that as a dentist, like my jaw was dropping and I, you know, I was just so intense. Like I've obviously I've attended a lot of holistic conferences and stuff like that, dental stuff, but the, it goes so in depth into like the science about fluoride and the history of fluoride and, all the research and what's kind of great is there's a lot of the people, the pro fluoride arguments, like it debunks them. Does that make sense? So it goes through each pro fluoride argument mm-hmm. and then debunks why that is not true. Wow. Um, so it's an okay. amazing book. I, I always recommend to my patients to buy it, even as a dentist, like as a doctor who like learned about all this stuff, like it, it's a lot of stuff you don't, I did not learn in school. Just put it that way, mm. but that's a great book. Um, And that's, you know, I think Florida has its place, um, but there's a lot of things that you could do that aren't fluoride. Um, I personally do not use fluoridated toothpaste. Um, I use a hydroxyapatite toothpaste. So for me, you know, and there's a lot of research, Japan's been using it for, I think over 40 years already, um, that it can help remineralize fluoride, um, I'm sorry, remineralize teeth extremely well. Yeah. And I actually used to have a tiny little cavity. It was pretty small. Um, and obviously as a dentist, I was being crazy. You know, I was like doing everything I could 
to get rid of it. And um, I actually switched to hydroxyapatite toothpaste and it shrunk on the radiograph on my x-ray. So Ooh. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, let me try this on myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. so now you're saying that, um, you know, like you said, fluoride can have its place. It can be beneficial, beneficial if it's applied topically and all of these um, so-called benefits that have been debunked. But I'm curious if there's anything harmful about it, us having it in our toothpaste and drinking water and that oh, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I can literally talk for hours. I mean, mainly it's a neurotoxin, um, which mm. means it could affect your nerves. Um, there's been a lot of studies with like IQ in children. Um, and I think it's also like the amount, like, there's so much, it's so much. Um, and actually your teeth, if you have too much fluoride can actually, it can cause a condition called fluorosis, which is like yellowing and modeling of the teeth and having a lot of discoloration. Um, and like, um, I've noticed a lot of kids now and like teenagers have a lot more of that than, you know, like a middle-aged or a senior citizen or, you know, something like that. Like you can see this generation has a lot more uh, fluorosis than, you wow. know, grandparents and stuff like that. And that's yeah. definitely true. Like very th- across the board, even conventional dentists will say the same thing, that there's a lot more fluorosis now. Yeah. Wow. Now, I just wanted to go back to, um, I think it was when you were talking about the oral microbiome and regards to uh, toxicity. Like what are some examples of things that could be you know toxic for our mouths like um the first thing that came to my mind was possibly fillings that we've had in our teeth but are there I'm assuming there's other things yeah um there's so many unfortunately but um (laughs) one thing Listerine is horrible um yeah so like using any like alcohol rinse um that can completely mess up your microbiome um and actually there's a lot of research showing that Listerine can cause like oral cancer, um, things like that, and lead to higher increase. Like any alcohol, high alcohol consumption can lead to a higher risk of oral cancers. Um, wow. So yeah, that's not great either. Um, lots of ingredients in toothpastes, um, some ingredients in fillings. Um, in general, I don't like to use any metal um, for many reasons. That again, these these. There's, you're asking me amazing questions. I just feel like we need another podcast to go over everything. Um, but yeah, but, um, in general, I mean, you look, if you look for organic toothpaste is, is great when there's, there's really not an amazing, there's no one amazing toothpaste that I really, really love right now in the market. There's, you know, pros and cons of everything, but, um, it's, it really depends on your situation and what your microbiome looks like. Um, you know, you might need, you might have more levels of bad gum bacteria and you might need some, you know, specific things for that versus high cavity bacteria if that, you know, so we kind of target your, um, your toothpaste or your products according to like your specific microbiome instead of kind of making a generalized mm. assumption, but, um, hydroxyapatite can be really helpful for cavity prevention too. Um, so having a toothpaste with that would be good. Okay. Um, so in your practice, um, as a functional dentist, what, um, what are you, what, what, yeah, what's typically used in fillings? Um, 
So we try, we definitely do not use mercury <laughs> um, or metal. Um, we use a BPA free composite material. Um, okay. So white filling material or porcelain fillings. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as of right now, there's no like a hundred percent great, amazingly, you know, amazing material out there. That's like, you know, most of them have some types of plastics or so hopefully they'll develop something better. <laughs> but um, as of right now, we try to do the cleanest ingredients possible. Right. And just thinking of um, when you're listing toothpaste ingredients and talking about organic toothpaste, um, I've heard of people brushing their teeth with baking soda and rinsing their mouths with salt water. Is that is that beneficial? Is that okay? Um, so salt water could be helpful. Um, soothing the gums and salt can actually help with some bacteria. Um, for baking soda, it can be helpful. Baking soda can help neutralize acid levels in the mouth. So when your mouth if your saliva is too acidic, um, and that could be from a million different reasons, but if it's too acidic, it can help balance the pH to make it more basic. So that can be beneficial. Um, brushing, it, uh, it could be a little bit abrasive when you brush with it. So um, sometimes rinsing with it could be helpful, um, but you want to use a soft bristle toothpaste if possible. I'm sorry, a sort soft bristle toothbrush. Right. Um, yeah. So not, there's like soft, medium, and hard. You want to stick to soft because that will be more gentle on your teeth and your gums. Hmm. Now, I know we're almost exclusively talking about children and development, but I do have a question purely out of curiosity, and that is about adults that don't usually snore at nighttime. Um, since we were talking about snoring earlier on and um, quality of sleep, but they do if they have been drinking alcohol. So what's this about? Do you know? Um, well, alcohol can like mess up your sleep cycle, um, and lots of hormones. And so you're saying if they snore when they have alcohol? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it messes up your sleep cycle. So, um, there's lots of different factors that that's like a sleep medicine kind of thing. Um, systemic thing that can, um, so pretty much if you do snore only with alcohol or something, it's still good to get like a sleep study done just to make sure you don't have sleep apnea. Um, you might have sleep apnea, um, but doing a sleep study would be beneficial just to rule it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Now, um, before we wrap things up, is there anything that, that I haven't touched on that you would like to mention? Let me see. I mean, look, we really went over a lot today. Um, mm. if anyone has like any specific questions, you can feel free to message me. Um, and I know, you're not located near me. I do do some virtual consults, um, but there's also a lot of, I'm in an organization called the IAOMT, um, International Organization of um, Oral Medicine and Toxicology. So Mm. they have dentists all over the world um, who are biological or holistic dentists. So um, we do have people travel to come see us from all across the country and um, Canada and stuff like that. But um, feel free to come visit us in person, but there's also a lot of other biological or holistic dentists that might be near you. So you can go on their website um, and um, look them up and then nice. definitely, you know, contact them, see what their approach is. Not every holistic dentist is the same or biological dentist. Um, their beliefs might be a little bit different or the materials they use might be different. So it's good to kind of ask the questions before you go in to make sure that they're the right fit for you. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, I will put links in the show notes to your website, drdianacortez.com, and your Instagram account, and also those books that you said earlier on. What was it, The Case Against Fluoride and the Hidden Epidemic? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere else I can send people who'd like to learn more about what we've talked about today? Oh, I guess that um, website that you said for the... Yes, the IAOMT. IAOMT. And they have a whole, like, research library there that um you can read research articles about fluoride and kind of make the the best decision for your family and they have a lot about like mercury fillings in there um some sleep stuff so that's definitely a good resource um they have some videos so that would be a good place to look excellent great well diana i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and share your knowledge with us today thank you so much Oh, thank you. Your podcast is awesome. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. We'll have to do another one on. Yeah, we can go more in depth on some of this stuff. But yeah. yes, I feel like, yeah, like you said, we only kind of scratched the surface. We could have talked for hours about um, so many different things. Yeah, we'll definitely read those books. And then I think we'll have a lot more to talk about because, you're gonna yes. go, oh, my God, they're really good. So cool. Yes. Thank you. Um, now, my final question for you to end on is if the entire world's knowledge was lost and you could only leave one sentence for future generations, what would it be? So in general, I mean, this is my approach to life. I think just always smile, be happy, enjoy your life. You know, things can get stressful sometimes, but I think it's really important to just take time and just enjoy your life and be happy and kind of unwind and appreciate life because things can get real busy and and crazy sometimes, but that would be my advice, I guess. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, you can join the discussions on our Facebook and Instagram pages. To hear more, subscribe for free on the podcast app on your smartphone. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you would like to offer feedback or suggest a guest, email us at untaming.podcast at gmail.com.